Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. He is with Further Still Ministries. And this show has been a show that we've been doing now for close to 10 years. I think we've done 500 shows I saw the other day, or right at that many. 400? Well, we've had some repeats too. So we've hundreds of shows, and the reason we do this show is we've been a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. And we as men are really good at talking about sports, weather, and politics. And there's a place to do that, but life is more than sports, weather, and politics. We believe here that the most important thing you can talk about is who you are and who you were made to be by God as a man, and you're not fully living out your destiny as a man unless you are walking with the greatest man who's ever lived, and his name is Jesus Christ. So that being said, we want to talk from that perspective about the story that God is writing in men's lives, which there are plenty out here. We've been doing almost 10 years worth of telling stories of what God has been doing, and we haven't even scratched the surface. But we also talk about topics that we believe are really hit at the heart of men and women, but it's a show for men, primarily. And today, as we're taping this show, this will be airing uh, in lieu of or leading up to, I should say, Veterans Day. And I think we've done a Veterans Day show every year in some capacity. And that's not even nearly the deserving of what the men and women who have served in our country uh, Veterans Day is one of the most underappreciated days, I think, but uh, there's a lot of people who are just really thankful, and we are. So we wanted to have a Veterans Day show that just honors our veterans, and we brought on a couple of guys who uh, we're going to try to keep them s- separated about who's going to who, which service is better than the other service. <laughs> but hey, we got two military men in here, so what do you expect? So yeah, Chad, and it's it really is fantastic to have these guys. But before I interview them, I, w- I just want to give a shout out to my father-in-law, who's down in North Carolina, and Bill Strand. Just grateful for you and the the service that you gave to uh, our country back during the Korean War days. And uh, just Bill, love you, and I'm grateful and praise God for you and. Um, Awesome to be a part of your family. And now I want to introduce uh, our two guests, and it's Robert uh, McKenzie. Robert, you came on a couple weeks ago, and welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. Thank you. I mean, we, uh, you know, Chad, I feel really safe when we when you walk in the room because we, you know Robert Robert lifts a lot of weights, and uh, you, you said. This is a couple of minutes ago. You're in a competition coming up, and you want to, you're going to do three lifts, and your goal is to, to go over fifteen hundred and seventy five pounds. You're going to lift three different times. So bench press, squat, and deadlift, and deadlift, and it's over fifteen hundred pounds. I lifted up lunch <laughs> today. That's about all I lifted. <laughs> and then not so we got Robert in here, but then that, we've got a green beret. Who uh, so Jason? It is awesome to have you on the show as well. Welcome. It's great to be here, and I will not be lifting fifteen hundred pounds. <laughs> you just know how to shoot the guns. Yeah, yeah, that I know how to do. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, you do know how to do that. So um, let's uh, let's just jump out with you, Jason. First of all, how in the world did you get interested in joining the military? Twenty plus twenty. Yeah, just shy of twenty-two years. Yes. Yeah, what I. One, I just want to appreciate you guys having me on. What a great intro. As I heard you talk about that, I'm thinking about, you know, the two things I'd summarize from that is we need to know who we are and we need to know whose we are. 
And as Christian men, we know we belong to Christ. And, and as I reflect back on my life, there's some particularness to me. I grew up, one, it was the, the age of G.I. Joe. It was just the most popular thing on TV when I was a little kid, and I loved it. And But the undergirding that is I'm the grandson of a man who fought in World War II. He was drafted as a young kid out of Chicago. And most people know about Normandy and D-Day, but there was also a, a big invasion in Anzio Beach that led to Normandy. We had to get Rome and cut off kind of the, the Italian front first, and he was on that invasion. And so I grew up, I never really knew my grandfather. He died while I was an infant, um, but I heard stories about him. And then his son, my uncle, was in Vietnam. So I, I got to just know, I, I didn't really see myself as a military kid, but I Looking back on it, there was some particularness the Lord prepared for me in that, and the seeds of that, I think, were planted early. I I just always remember loving my country. I remember being at Little League, and, and I'd be the kid that would be smacking my buddies if they were moving during the national anthem, or, you know, I, I stood straight and, and faced the flag, and I just remember always honoring our nation and being grateful for it, and uh, really was a joy serving just honestly was a joy looking back on it. It is fantastic. And uh, well, I'm just going to say it multiple times that just thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. And thank you, Robert. And Robert, how in the world did you get involved in the military? Well, for me, and if you heard the story a couple of weeks ago when I was on, I was a kid that was in foster care and adopted and bounced around and really never found kind of where I felt like I belonged and uh, I was working in the oil fields and, you know, 1982 and it was hot and nasty weather and I, I thought there's got to be a better life. And so I searched around and ended up joining a, a unit and uh, the rest is, as I say, is history. So real quickly, Robert, you went in as an enlisted. Yes, sir. And then you were there for how many years and then you became an officer? I was enlisted the first five years and I was on an AGR tour, Active Garden Reserve Tour. And uh, I jokingly say I screwed up my life and became an officer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I spent the, the remaining 17 years as an officer. Give, give our listeners just a real quick who don't know a lot about the differences between an enlisted and uh, the officers. And Jason, I may vary in, in kind of the way we define it, but how I always defined it is, is uh, you know, officers are really – the planners and the enlisted are the executioners. They're, they're the ones that go out. They're the boots on the ground. They're the heart and soul of the military, of the Army. They're the ones that make it happen, and the officers are more of the planning stage and of the leadership. Yeah, it, how I kind of frame it, and you jump in if, I, if this is off, but I think of it like blue-collar, white-collar, big stroke. Yeah. You know, the white-collar officers, and you're kind of – on the ground doing the job, you know, uh, if you think like Chick-fil-A, the guy sitting in the office doesn't know how to fry the fries and he doesn't really care. You know what I mean? Like it's two different worlds, but there's the guy sitting in the back of the kitchen actually frying the fries. It, it's two different worlds, but you need both sides. Yeah. And, and I'll throw one in that you guys aren't talking about. I'm the unicorn that no one really knows how to explain is I started enlisted, did about 15 years, made my way up to master sergeant and then became a warrant officer. Mm. <laughs> so I did the last few years as a warrant officer, which is the hybrid. I, I did not know that. Two. So explain to the ignorant me a warrant officer. Warrant officers are um, 
the, even a warrant officer has a hard time explaining what a warrant <laughs> officer is. Um, it's the technical expert. So you have to have the years of non-commissioned officer, the, the enlisted experience, but you're put into kind of a leadership role. So in the Army, most warrant officers are helicopter pilots, and their job is to be the expert of that helicopter. Like they know every bolt on that Blackhawk, and they know how, what's wrong with it. They know how it feels when it feels different. So for me in Special Forces, the warrant officer is the – it's kind of like the executive officer. He's the second-in-command your, your commander will come in and he rotates out about every year and a half to two years max, but that warrant officer just stays. So I was on the same team for almost five years, you know, like, so the captain can come to me and he's in charge, but he's really like coming to me and saying, Hey Jason, what do you think about this? Well, like the last two captains did that too. And it didn't work out so good. So I would do this instead. You know, so, <laughs> um, and because I was an NCO, I can then walk out of the room and go and sit with the guys and they understand that I know what they're going through as well. I was kind of the middle, the middle man. Wow. And, and you said you served for how many years? Just shy of 22. Just shy of 22. Robert? 23. 23 years. That is absolutely fantastic. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, when you were in the military, Jason, how was your family affected? Mm, that's such a good question because, and I just want to honor them as we talk about veterans because the families really deal with a lot of that. So the first thing I'd say is just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, of the age of combat, you know, like I I've been in the army through the global war on terror. So when I leave for work, it's not like I'm going to an office and coming back at five for dinner, you know, I'm packing up my stuff and I'm flying off to a foreign land and I don't know if I'm coming home. So my kids grew up in that environment. I got three kids that just kind of grew up knowing dad is going off to war. And I just always told him I was going to protect people and, my wife ends up having to wear a lot of different hats. You know, she had to learn how to be the mom. She had to learn how to be the disciplinarian. She had to manage the household. And man, I'm so grateful that the Lord just blessed me with a woman that was just created to do that well. And uh, so thankful for her and, and how she did it. Um, you know, uh, so I'll tell you what, hold that thought. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back more, because that answer needs to be unpacked a whole lot <laughs> more time to unpack that about how being in the military affects your family and affects so many other people in a positive way. So we're going to take a break, be back shortly on Solid Steps. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care. If you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank PodLoo.com. That's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or videocast, you want to look and sound great? Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podlu.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So in our first segment, we asked the question, Kurt asked the question at the end, how did being in the military affect your family? Jason was unpacking all the great things that the military wives or spouses mm. and families, they they. They don't get nearly as much the glamour, but they have to pay a whole lot more weight. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think the word that comes to mind is sacrifice. You know, we're, we're honoring veterans because of the sacrifice they made, but I just want to just for a moment, just hold up families and look at them real quick. You know, think about the sacrifice Mm -hmm. of a young wife who's trying to figure out how to be a mom, how to be a a wife and her husband's gone for eight months and she doesn't know when she's going to talk to him next. She doesn't know when he's coming home. Sometimes we can't even tell her where we're at. She might know a region. And and if you will come and home. And if you will come home. And then she's not only dealing with that, she's trying to explain, how do I explain this to our kids? Or, um, yeah, just the sacrifice, I think, of the families. How many kids, you know, how many baseball games did my kids get ahead and not see me in the stands? Or, you know, how many, I mean, I have friends who have missed the births of their child. Or, um, you know, major events. You're not there for there, there's, you can't tell the army, Hey, I got something going on next spring. So right. I can't deploy. You know, it's, 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 it's just when your time's comes, you're, you're gone. And specifically, Jason, you were gone three different deployments, three combat deployments, to Afghanistan, yeah, multiple other kind of deployments, but yeah, three major. How long were those deployments? Roughly nine months. I think the first one was, uh, October to around July or August. So eight or nine months was later on. Like the, I think my last one in 2016 was closer to six months. We got the rotations lowered down a little bit. We, you know, so one team could replace another and you just use two teams in one year. Yeah. Um, But I'll just real quickly, I'll get into like, so even combat deployments, right? So I remember a stretch of time where I was in Afghanistan, came back, had to go to training because I was back home. So that was the only time I really could go to the school I needed for professional development. And then right after that deployed to Central America for another three, I mean, there was a solid 18 months where I think I was home maybe a couple weeks out of that. I have friends who have missed uh, two wedding anniversaries in the same trip, you know, like (laughs) you leave and you miss it and then you're still there or you haven't come home yet for the next one. That's brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just the sacrifice of the families of just dealing with those. If you're a family member and you're listening, we thank you as well. Mm. We want to honor our veterans, but family members. Uh, Jason, talk to us. You you were in special forces. Correct. Talk talk to us just a little bit about special forces, and specifically you were a Green Beret. Oh, man, you just warmed my heart because you used the right language there. So (laughs) um, special forces equals Green Beret. Those two are equivalent. You know, you can – you can say pastor, elder, overseer. You know, they're, they're equivalent, right? So Green Beret, Special Forces. So you'll hear on the news or read in books, Special Forces, they, they get it wrong, right? They're, they're, they're talking about SEALs and all kinds, and they're using the word Special Forces. Special Forces means Green Beret. Special Operations is the bigger umbrella term that covers all Navy Special Operations, Air Force Special Operations, Army Special Operations. Within the Army, you have Rangers and you have Green Berets, two different. All of these forces are all doing special warfare, which is basically the, you have the conventional military who does your normal war, things that don't fit in that general mold. How do we do that? Well, we need people that understand how to do it in an unconventional manner, and they they reach out to the special operations world. So Green Berets are the, out of the, the spectrum of missions you do in special operations, our focus is specifically unconventional warfare which involves cultural training, language training, 
you are regionally oriented to an area, you become an expert in that area. And your job is to go into that area, embed with those people, train their people, and you become a force multiplier. So we're built in 12 man teams. You go in, you get assigned an indigenous unit and you make that unit better, which keeps American forces from that front because you're now using indigenous forces for their own fight. Mm. Talk to our listeners. Uh, you you lost a dear friend, mm. and he, he you were there. Yeah, uh, just not to be graphic, but to, yeah. to let our listeners know what it takes. Yeah, for our military personnel and the the, the hardships. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm probably going to put you on the spot here, but as I'm reflecting on this, I I think what I'd like to do, if you guys are open to it is come back on Memorial Day and do a a focused talk on my brother, Pedro Munoz, who was lost. And because, because one thing that just hit me is in the the military. The answer answer is yes. (laughs) Well, as I was getting ready to answer that, what hit me is military guys on Memorial Day, it hurts when people say happy Memorial Day or thank you for your Mm -hmm. service because they don't understand Memorial Day is about the brothers that aren't here anymore. Yeah. Veterans Day, and I'm not disrespecting you guys. I don't want to say no to your answer, but I'm saying I think today should be focused on veterans at large and uh, and just honor the sacrifice of all veterans. And then when we get to Memorial Day, I'm happy. I would love to come in and, and dedicate a whole show to the greatest soldier I've ever known that we lost in 2005, uh, Sergeant First Class Pedro Munoz. Um, yeah, he was a teammate of mine. I followed him around like a puppy dog for years, and he he taught me so much. And uh, I'm still gleaning from wisdom he shared with me during that time. Well, and we won't get into all the details, but I I know that there's pain, mm. and there's when when we just had lunch together, and there's tears welling up in your eyes when you start talking about him and his family and, and so, yes, we will, we will unpack that on Memorial day, but, um, you also, uh, received a silver star Mm. and that is a generational thing. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, um, again, this is where, so I come from this green berets, our unwritten motto is kind of the the quiet professionals. So I always feel like I'm bragging talking about, so, um, yeah, my grandfather earned a silver star during world war II off a battle right off of Anzio beach. His son, uh, earned a silver star in the Asia Valley of Vietnam. And then in 2012, my team that I was the ground force commander on and, uh, Western Afghanistan was ambushed and the actions that day, those men put me in for a silver star. And, and I can tell you, um, even before that award was issued, the fact that I knew that those men saw me worthy of it meant more than the actual mm. Amen. Mm. That's pretty special. Um, again, thank you for serving. Talk to us about, you're also a, a, a free fall uh, specialist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so free fall operations are where you, you basically jump out of a perfectly good airplane, which <laughs> is, uh, 
it's faults crazy. from the get-go. Because I can tell you there is no perfectly good airplane in the military. Uh, it's all made by the lowest bidder. But um, <laughs> you're actually crazy to get on a military plane without a parachute is how I would think about it. But, um, yeah, so um, for, for my career, I've just been blessed. I wanted to be a paratrooper. When I came in, I went right into the 82nd. I was able to get into a recon unit that had that offered military freefall. Um, I got on that team. I earned that those wings. 9-11 happened. I went to Special Forces. Because I was already qualified, they put me on the freefall team, which if you talk to Green Berets, um, it's very rare. There's only one freefall team in each company, and I was the brand-new guy on the freefall team because I was already qualified and I spent my entire career in special forces on a freefall team. The only time I wasn't on a team was when the army pulled me off to go be a freefall instructor. So I got to teach how to freefall for about four years. And my job out in, out in Arizona was every day I would wake up, go to the terminal and I had two students. If they were doing three jumps that day, I'd do six because I'd jump with the first one I'd land He'd land way out in the desert somewhere. I'd pack my parachute while he's walking in. I'd talk to him about his jump on the way back to the terminal. I'd get my second student. We'd go out to the plane. We'd go up, I'd jump. So I was doing, I don't know, five jumps a day for four years every day. Uh, Just just real quick, off the top of your head, how many times have you jumped out of an airplane? Well, I don't know the answer, but my official jump log – that the the army gave me when I retired my free fall jump log. Uh, I ended it at one thousand nine hundred and eleven because I thought it was awesome to be a nineteen eleven like the the World War Two pistol. So I just stopped <laughs> counting after nineteen eleven because I wanted that to be my official number. I think as we take a break, going to our third segment, it's been confirmed that you're not right if you're a green beret. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. Come back shortly. On Solid Steps Radio. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area. One in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank, landscaping, and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. So first two segments, we talked about a green beret and a little bit of history of that. And now we're talking about feeding all these crazy people, which is what our next guest did a whole lot of in regards to uh, his career in the military. Yeah. So Robert, you talk about uh, when you were overseas, you ran the largest what? Yeah. I like to call it the the world's largest bed and breakfast when we were on the the border of Iraq and Afghanistan, (laughs) Iraq and Kuwait rather. Well, and, and talk to our listeners about how, how many people are you feeding and taking care of? So we had a, a base camp called Camp Udari at the time, and it was about two, two kilometers square. And we would could have up to about 18,000 people on that base camp at any one time. 
a majority of those that would be just getting ready to reconstitute on their equipment, train up for eight to 10 days, and then push them forward in the battlefield. So you've got maybe 1,500 of us that were full-time uh, on the base camp. So we were stuck there. And uh, then we would take care of fueling them, fixing them, feeding them, and then pushing them forward into the battlefield. In in when you served, and now we're talking, you were in the what army? I was in the army. Yes, sir. yeah. Um, Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these guys are army guys, man. They are they're all army. Um, you you make fun of the uh, who who do you make fun of the most? <laughs> I don't know if we should do that. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. that might okay, start maybe that, that maybe maybe that's a bad question. I okay, the, the easiest to take care of on that world's largest bed and breakfast was the Marines because. They had low expectations. <laughs> I mean, literally, you could put them out there with some marbles and a little bit of a tent over them, no air conditioning. They're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> they were easy. Give them a pack of crayons. They'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they eat crayons. Um, talk to our listeners about what was the most difficult thing for you in your 23 years in the military, personally. Oh, gosh. Um one of the most difficult things, obviously, being away from your family. So um, that that family, as Jason talked about, the family unit being apart and how strong the family had to be back home. So it's really important for them to be able to rely on people in their community. And I was, as a reservist, they would have to rely on a family support group. Um, my son was entering his freshman year of high school, so I was missing all of those first time of everything, first year in football, freshman year of football, all of that stuff. And he was really going through a lot. Um, you know, I was in my second marriage. His mother was uh, struggling with some things with, with him. And so I didn't find out until I came home on leave and I got 15 total days to be back home before I had to go back into wow. the box. And I find out when I get home on leave that he was dealing with some real anger issues and struggling with alcohol as a freshman in high school. And I couldn't fix that in mm -hmm. 10 days. So a lot of prayer. Thank goodness the church family came around him. And, man, that next six months that I was gone was really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I don't think our, you know, the, the people out here in the civilian world understand that dynamic, how difficult that really is. Mm -hmm. it, it is. It's, you know, and again, you've got to have a strong family union around you. And, and fortunately, my uh, his mother had a, a strong family unit around her, and she was strong in her faith, and the church came around her and really helped him during that time that I couldn't. But I, I couldn't wait to get back home. I love being able to do my job, and as a reservist, uh, it's the first time in your life, I'll say, that I've really felt like I was on fire, that you get to do your mission. Because as a reservist, so much time, even with active duty, before the balloon goes up and there's a war, you're just training. But when it finally happens and you get your number called, it's it's the greatest thing in the world. You get to finally serve your country. And serving God and serving your country are the top two things you can do. That's really cool. You mentioned all this training. I've said over the years, I asked questions to other pastor leaders. I said, what's the greatest training organization in the world? And I think it's the U.S. military. It has to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's train like you fight and fight like you train. Um, and, and I teach that in my powerlifting, you know, ministry that I have. And I would try to instill that in kids. And it's not that practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. 
and that's a John Wooden saying. Uh, for those of younger in the audience, that was a one of the world's greatest basketball coaches of all times. Um, but it's really having that discipline because anybody can be motivated for a minute, but it's that discipline every day, getting up and doing the same thing the right way every time that that makes you a champion. And the spiritual ramifications of that, I, I, you, you, I mean, lay that over into just our spiritual world. Mm. You, you, you know, the, knowing the Word of God, you know, and we could do a whole segment <laughs> on that. But I, I'm going to go back to um, some, you, your military career helped you also as in the civilian world. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I told you on the, the last time I was on that the military saved my life. I was as lost as a ball in tall weeds. I was out there in the world and I was doing everything in the world. And the military gave me that opportunity for a country hick in Oklahoma to get a degree, to get some discipline, to go through basic training, AIT, go through NCO schools, go to officer's military training and, and get my commission and Commander General Staff College. It gave me the discipline that I needed and the leadership skills to transfer over into a civilian world whenever I did that. And, you know, I'll always be thankful for that. You also mentioned to me, though, that the civilian world helped you in the military world. <laughs> well, when we landed uh, on the border of Iraq and Kuwait, it was early in OIF 2. Uh, so Operation Iraqi Freedom 1 was the very early stages of the world of the war. And when we got there, we were taken over for some people that were just really tired. Mm. I mean, they'd been there on the ground since the balloon went up and, and they were, they were ready to go home and we're, we're turned, <laughs> they turned the keys to the city over us and said, here's our cell phones. We're out. And we had to figure out how to run a city with a small group of, you know, 60 soldiers and try to keep this you know, 18,000 unit, uh, bed facility, bed and breakfast going for the next 12 months. And so fortunately many of us had a civilian career. So I used my company commander as the safety director for the base camp. Well, he also happened to be a degreed safety person, um, <laughs> that worked for 3M and he set up base camp protocol for safety and we didn't lose a single soldier or, um, a third country national, that was working as a contractor for the whole nine months we were there. The first two weeks we were on the ground, we lost three people because of just unsafe acts. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I just, I'm, I'm listening to this, how God uses our past mm. in, in preparation for our future. And here you are, you've got military background, you got civilian background and how God just works all that together. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to me. Uh, it, it didn't, you know, if you if you'd only known then what you know now, you know, you're like, wow, I didn't didn't realize what you were doing because I never in the military wanted to be in a leader role. I wanted to go to basic training. I wanted to blend in. Didn't happen. I got thrown in as a as as the platoon guide in basic training only because they fired the other two and they're like, McKenzie, you're it. You're it. <laughs> and we are not changing again. I don't care if you have to do a million pushups. You're going to finish this unit. Great. Same thing happened in AIT. Same thing happened. In, and so over and over again, I got thrown into leadership positions that I did not want. And later on, I realized God was preparing me for something then that I could do now. That's so awesome. Talk to our listeners about how the military helped you develop character. 
one of the things I said when we were at lunch is, is I don't know that those, you know, when you're in a crisis or when you're in a difficult situation that it develops character, but it certainly reveals character. I've watched over and over and over again, young soldiers rise to the challenge of the you know level of training that they had had, but even go above and beyond that because of just their abilities and confidence level. I also watched senior NCOs and some senior officers shrink because the moment got too big. The stage was too bright. They, they just couldn't quite handle it. And so being able to recognize that in a combat situation also helped me in the civilian world. I'll try to get it real quick. In 2011, we had a tornado in Joplin, Missouri. That's where I lived at the time. I watched this chaos un, unfold, and we lost 165 people roughly, I think, in Joplin. Our company donated a million dollars towards helping rebuild that. Um, my chief operating officer at the same at that time called me and said, Robert, I've never been in a crisis like this. What do we do? And I said, gather your senior staff together. Uh, let's have a meeting at three o'clock. I'll make it happen. And so it's because of that military training. And, and you know what I'm talking about, Jason, where we, we've just been in that environment. We know what to do. So we gathered staff together. We got a sit rep report. That's a situation report on where we are, what do we need to do? How do we fix it? And from that, we were able to serve the people in the community, serve the 60-some employees that that had lost everything in our company and start rebuilding from that point on. I mean, that had to be powerful, to experience that. It was incredible. And and that's what led to the next level for me, moving up in the organization. So we're going to take a break, come back for a fourth and final segment here on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So our fourth and final segment, if you didn't hear the other three segments, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes and just type in Solid Steps Radio. Uh, we've got two veterans today, Veterans Day show, saying thank you to those men and women who have served in the military. And question I have for both of our guys here are, tell me about your faith coming into the military and your service, and then how was your faith during and maybe afterwards? Just talk a little bit about that. Well, I was, I was saved when I was um, 13 years old and uh, lived that good life in that way for three or four years until I got wheels and then kind of walked away and, and just had uh, kind of a up and down relationship with the Lord. Um, fast forward to the time of deployment in 2003, 2004, very difficult times. And, and you'll hear the saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole. Uh, many people would get religion uh, whenever you end up going to combat. Uh, for me, I, I would answer it this way. Once I got out, and really it took me a few years, when I rededicated my life to Christ in 2013, I leaned back on my training in the military 
and I use that that old saying we've talked about it here at breaks is train like you fight and fight like you train. So when I want to develop a closer relationship with God, I need to first understand this love letter that he wrote to us mm-hmm. called the Bible. And so I spent more time in the word to really understand and be prepared. Um, as a soldier, you got to always be prepared and <laughs> soldiers of Christ. It's the same way. It's no different really. So it's about being prepared. And I, in fact, I'm going to do a talk on this with our men's group next week about that discipline. You know, if we talk about how somebody wants to, you know, let's say they want to bench press 400 pounds. Well, you're not going to do that wishing your way to it. You've got to train. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to work at it. The same with your faith, right? So, you know, for me, it's daily reading. It's daily prayer. It's, you know, pray without ceasing. It's get to know this God that loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. And so I've used that really over the last eight or 10 years to help strengthen my faith. Well, that's, that'll preach brother. <laughs> that'll <laughs> preach. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in an unbelieving family. Didn't know much about church or Christ or anything. My, uh, the only time I went to church was to Catholic mass on Christmas Eve and Easter and then any weekend I was staying the night with my grandmother. Other than that, <laughs> I never went to church. You were a priester. I was yes. a what we call now in ministry. I call them CEOs. The Christmas Easter only, you know. So, uh, um, yeah. So I in high school I wanted to date a girl, and she wouldn't go out with me. But she invited me to her church, and I went to her youth group. And I was in that church every time the doors were open, went on a mission trip with them and kept thinking, who are all these weirdos? You know, obviously they're not cool because they don't know me. So that, um, <laughs> but I went on a mission trip with them and realized I was now in the circle and something had changed in me. And, uh, so I entered into the army after high school, a brand new believer. I really didn't know much. Um, and the Lord was just very kind to me to always have us be faithful local church members. I think the local church taught us how to be Christians, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause when you, when you leave your family, you know, we really, the, the leave and cleave, you know, we, we were 19 years old, married and we left, you know, I, we moved from, we grew up in Michigan and now we're living in North Carolina as 19 year olds. That church family became our local family. I mean, that's who, uh, we had dinner with, that's who we hung out with. And, and no matter where we were, that local church, that was our family. And, and to this day that the Lord was just very kind through the church to, to minister to us and to grow our faith. So that girl that you were after, <laughs> yeah, you were, you were chasing, she didn't want to date you nope. she, and you, I, I'm persistent. She, she, I talked, you her married her. I did. I, I, uh, <laughs> So we started dating in high school. Um, when I joined the army, she broke up with me and a couple weeks later prom came and, and I talked her back into going out with me. And then, uh, yeah, I, I went off to basic training, came back for Christmas leave, got engaged, went back to the army, came back the next winter and we were married the next Christmas leave. So <laughs> long story later we're we've been married over 25 years and have three kids and That's the Lord has awesome. just been very, very kind to that us. That is so cool. So um, here's a question for you. What do you wish us regular civilians, you know, the Ch- mm. Chad and Josh who's sitting in here with us and, and myself and others, what do you wish we, you knew that we would know and understand about the military? Mm-hmm. One, 
you know, what just jumps out to me is when you say regular civilians, um, I mean, we're regular people. I mean, we have, we have emotions, we have family, we're, we're having down that, you know I mean? Like everything that you think goes on to a normal human, we're, we're not Superman, you know, like we don't, we don't get to turn off our emotions and just go do things. There's no superhuman strength, right. you know, like, um, I, I didn't just naturally pick up a gun and know how to work it. Like I had to, I had to practice, I had to work. Right. So I, I think that that leads into the, my main thing. What I want to say is, so I'm a guy who spent most of my adult life as a green beret. And now I work at a church, you know, talk about a weird blend, but what <laughs> is what God has shown me through that is I spent a lot of time training people how to fight in a physical warfare, how to spot the enemy. How to, how to figure out what the most probable course of action is. What is the most dangerous course of action the enemy can do to us? How do we mitigate that? How do I train these guys and equip them to go into this and be successful? Now I'm in a church, and I never thought all of those experiences would carry over. It's the same problems. Now, rather than a physical war, I think it's actually harder. Yeah. Because now it's a spiritual war. I, I can't tell you how many guys I know that can spot an enemy with their eye. I have an engineer who could spot a landmine buried and just knew intuitively where it was and then come home and sets a landmine spiritually in his own family because he's unaware of the sin that's in his own life. Mm. And, and what I've seen now in ministry is we got to learn how to train and prepare for the battles that are ahead of us, mm, right? Yeah. So, you know, there was a time I was in an ambush and the only reason I'm alive today is because someone loved me enough years before to make me do drills and prepare and train to get ready for something. Neither of us knew at that time was going to happen, but he knew enough to know, Hey, there's something ahead you need to get ready for. Don't wait till then start today. So no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, um, don't wait until this, the Satan ambush comes. Don't wait till you're on the X and all the guns are blazing. Start preparing now. I don't know if you've never read the Bible. I don't even know. Hey, if you talked to me in 11th grade, I didn't even know what the Bible was. Someone told me to read the book of Luke, and I went home and asked my mom. I was like, hey, I got to read this book by some guy named Luke. I had no idea. <laughs> it reminds me of Chris. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I mean, I didn't know there was a table of contents in the Bible. I mean, that's the level I was at. I opened up this Catholic Bible we had, and it said St. Luke, and I'm like, that must be the guy named Luke, and I just started reading it. So it doesn't matter where you're at, but you got to start somewhere. And you can't just passively hope it's you're going to be ready. Like we were saying earlier, I don't know if we said this on live or at a break, but you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to your level of training. So there's coming a point, if you haven't had it yet, there's coming a point where Satan's going to be attacking you and you're not going to rise to the occasion in that moment. You're going to sink to where you're at. So you got from now till then to start getting ready. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. He's coming back. And, and I'll tell you this, when I was a free fall instructor, I would tell my students this. If you have a parachute malfunction, you got the rest of your life to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from right now to when that attack comes, you, you got the rest of your time to figure it out. You got to start preparing now because you don't want to be in the moment when you look over your shoulder and that parachute doesn't open to then start figuring out, what do I do if I have a malfunction? You, you don't have time. You got to start getting ready now. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to have a parachute to jump out of a plane. You do have to have one to jump out of one twice. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Well, hey, um, I just want to say an, an enormous thank you, oh, Robert, and Jason. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your hearts, and thank you for serving our country. Thank you for we live in an incredible free land, 
and uh, we praise God for that. So uh, grateful for you guys. And I'm and, grateful to be here. And all, all the listeners, if you are listening and you are have served in the military, thank you. And yes. family members, thank you. And uh, Jason, I'm going to have you close out and pray for us listeners, okay? Yeah, and I'm going to turn to, uh, you know, a soldier in the Bible, a guy that knew both, had the heart of God, who had, had a heart for the Lord, but also knew what it was like to, to be a warrior. And that's David. And mm-hmm. I, I'm turning to Psalm 144, and this is what I'm going to base my prayer on here as we close out. But it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for you and who you are. Lord, we, we know who we are because of who you are. And we know whose we are, Lord, because you have purchased us with a price. And that price was the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Lord, as we've talked today, what, a, what an encouragement it's been to me to just sit and reflect on the, the great men and women that I've been blessed to serve with. Thank you for the opportunities to stand on the shoulders of giants, Lord, and to, to reflect back on guys like my grandfather who was a young 19-year-old kid that got called to serve his country. And, and honestly, he was the first American of his family. Like to, to do that level of sacrifice still moves me. Thank you, Lord, for, for all the, the blessings you give to us. And, and as these men prepare for the battles ahead, Lord, help us to be prepared for that. Help us to train now and not wait. Lord, help us to be discipled and encouraged through this talk. And, and Lord, on the flip side, help us to seek out those that need encouragement mm-hmm. and need training. Maybe you're at a point in life where you've experienced some rough things and you've learned some lessons and now you can share those. So both sides of the coin, Lord, help men to sharpen each other. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps. With every step I take, I am staying.